0: was a rapid, unscheduled disassembly. That's what SpaceX called the explosion of the largest rocket ever launched yesterday. The nearly 400-foot-tall Starship rocket rose above the South Texas Gulf Coast. It all seemed fine for the first four minutes. Everything after clearing the tower was icing on the cake. That's what SpaceX said on their webcast following the explosion of the biggest and most powerful rocket ever built. SpaceX's founder Elon Musk tweeted, congrats, learn a lot for our next test launch in a few months, interesting perspective. Not only was this the largest rocket ever launched, it was the most complex. In the history of space exploration, most new rockets fail on their very first test. The Christian life can sometimes feel like it's rapidly disassembling, but let's remember the words of Paul in Philippians 3, I press on, forgetting what is behind and striving towards what is ahead in Christ Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today, here it is Friday, and I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and all this week we've been in a series called What We Need to Know About Prayer. This week we've been thinking about prayer and now I want us to think about some do's and don'ts of prayer that Christ shared with his disciples. And they're important for you and me as well. We've also been talking with author Nancy Guthrie about prayer all this week. Nancy lives in Nashville and we live in a culture where people expect to always get a positive answer to their prayers. And then it sometimes seems God doesn't answer. He's either not there or doesn't care. So, Nancy, how do we pray expecting God to answer, but keeping in line with what the Bible teaches?
1: This is where I'm so grateful that we have examples in the scriptures. I mean, I, I tend to think that we, we think that if I'm good enough and I'm godly enough and I pray hard enough and I use the right words and I pray often enough, then somehow that will be the secret formula for getting God to say yes Hmm. to my prayers. But then we open up the Gospels and we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And three times we hear him pray, Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. And so three times he prays a righteous, rigorous, repeated prayer. And so right away, we know that, that this, the key is not being godly enough to get a yes to your prayer. Here's Jesus. He has never sinned. And yet in the silence from heaven and what we see happen as Jesus goes to the cross, in a sense, Jesus experiences having God say no to his prayer. Mm-hmm. So we not only see it in Jesus, but then we go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And he has suffered significantly. And we are told there that he, he's got this thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is exactly, but we know it's an unrelenting agony such that he's pleading. It says he pled, he begged, one translation says, three times for the Lord to take it away. And then he hears Jesus speak to him. I, I, I don't think it's what he was hoping to hear Jesus say, but he hears Jesus speaking to him. And what he doesn't hear is, okay, I'm going to take away the thorn. Instead, he hears, my grace is sufficient.
2: Hmm.
1: My power is made perfect in weakness. And out of that, Paul says, so therefore I can be content in hardships and difficulties and persecutions. So he understands it, the answer to his prayer is not that God is going to change his circumstances or take away the pain. Instead. He, what he hears is this promise from Jesus saying, I'm going to be enough for you in this. I'm going to provide what you need that will enable you to endure the pain that I'm not going to take away. And so out of that, I think Paul begins to pray very differently. He, Rather than continuing to pray for that pain to be removed, he begins to pray for it to be redeemed in his life. And so I think both the example of Jesus and the example of Paul help us when we go to God with righteous, repeated, rigorous prayers that in a sense we, we sense God is saying no to. He says, I have another hmm. plan. I'm going to do this another way. I've got another purpose in this. Hmm. And it enables us to receive that generous, sufficient grace and to experience that divine power coming to rest on us like Paul talks about. In 2 Corinthians 12, and therefore to be able to be content no matter how God chooses to answer our prayer.
0: Nancy Guthrie, thanks for being with me all this week and sharing with us once again the importance of prayer. After the program, I would like to send you a copy of Nancy's sweet little book called What Every Child Should Know About Prayer. It's an easy to read, biblically inspired book that gives us all the essential tools to help us learn how to pray. This book will help both young and old alike develop a deeper prayer life and a closer walk with Jesus. So for your gift to support this ministry, I want to send you what every child should know about prayer. Go online after the program, look at samples from this illustrated picture book, and you can make your gift there. Our website is haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us after the program at eight hundred sixty-five 65 haven 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's get the program started. Jeremy Camp opens this haven today.
3: For oh, the bitter weary ways, the end of striving day by day, you better have the strength to pray in the valley low. How hard your fight has been How deep the pain within Wounds that no one else has seen hurts too much to show And all the doubt you're standing in between And all the way- Against to shrink when you find the one who knows the chains of doubt that held you in between one by one a star Do you feel? For-
0: The song is called he knows and god certainly does know jeremy camp opening this haven today and a program called what we need to know about prayer i read about a strange phenomenon a while back it said young people were faking their cell phone calls pretending to talk to someone when in reality no one was on the other end In a survey I read, a professor of communications polled his students to find out how many of them faked their phone calls. In just one class, 27 of 29 students admitted doing this. I find that a bit strange. Why would you do that? Well, here were the reasons they gave. One young woman said she was being followed by a group of men in a subway. So she pretended she was talking to her boyfriend on the phone and they stopped following her. She was using the fake call for self-defense. Others said they made fake calls to fictitious boyfriends to avoid saying having to say no to guys who were hitting on them. And some said they just did it to avoid having to talk to the people around them. What does this phenomenon have in common with prayer? Well, quite a lot, I think. Praying can be a lot like faking a cell phone call. It looks like I'm praying, but really, I'm just talking for the benefit of the people around me. It may sound like I'm praying, but really, I'm just talking into the air. There's no real communication going on. I think faking prayer in this way is what Jesus was warning us about in Matthew 6. Jesus said, and when you pray, in verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus had obviously observed people praying. And here he was telling us, his followers, don't you pray like that. Those people are faking it. They're just talking into the air. And Jesus gives us two prayer do nots or don'ts. Here's don't number one. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. In other words, don't pray for the benefit of other people. We can pray just like people faking a cell phone call. We can use this privilege, which allows us to talk one-to-one with our Unseen Father, to put on a show for the people around us. There are times when I've been talking to my wife Janet on the phone, And she would say, okay, who's in the room with you? She can tell I've stopped talking to her because the the intimacy has left our conversation. She knows someone else is listening and that I'm talking for that other person's benefit. Well, Jesus is telling us that the Father can tell just like that. It can happen when we're praying out loud with other people. It can happen when we're praying in a restaurant. We bow our heads, thank the Lord, but we're highly aware of those around us watching us pray. Maybe we're thinking this is a good witness. Ever done that? I sure have. But prayer isn't meant to be evangelistic. It's not meant to be for the benefit of people around us. When we shift into that kind of praying, the intimacy goes away. We're not really talking to our Heavenly Father. We're just faking it. But I gave you a don't. Here's the solution. Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We're very distracted by the presence of others. Jesus lived his entire life in the presence of the unseen father, living to please him with an audience of one. But we have trouble doing that. If someone is with us, we start pitching our performance to them. The solution is to get absolutely alone with our father so we can direct our words to him alone. Jesus was probably talking about a supply room where farmers stored their feed because usually that was the only room that had a lock. He's telling us to get ourselves some privacy where no one's overhearing. So we can stop being phonies and start talking to our heavenly father with honesty and directness. And what will happen then? Jesus told us the father will reward us. What does that mean? What's his reward? I think the answer is in verse five, where Jesus said the people who put on a show praying in public are trying for a reward. The reward of being noticed. When we go into the supply room and we shut the door. We won't be noticed by them, but we will be noticed by our father. We'll have his full attention and he'll be pleased that we come to be alone with him and he will delight in us. But there's a second do not. Don't number two, and it's found in Matthew six, seven, Jesus telling us when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So Jesus warned us against praying like religious hypocrites, but then he warned us against praying like pagans. One of the Greek writers, Seneca, said that the way to be successful in prayer is to, quote, fatigue the gods. In other words, wear them down. But Jesus said, don't pray like the pagans, as if you have to prove how sincere you are by spending a lot of time praying. Or by going through some special ritual, saying just the right words, or saying a certain prescribed number of times over and over again the very same thing. The hidden idea behind all those ways of praying is that God is not really interested in you. He's reluctant to give you what you want, He's holding back to see how you perform. That's a pagan way of praying. Because it's praying without knowledge of the Father. It's praying to a God that you don't know. So here's the solution. Jesus telling us, your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Jesus spent a lot of time telling us about his Father in heaven, about his great love, his great willingness to hear our prayers, to answer our prayers, how he knows everything about us and always cares for us the father jesus knew and wants us to know is a great giver john's gospel john 14:16 i'll ask the father he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever next chapter 15:16 you didn't choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask of the father in my name he may give to you. And then the next chapter, 16:23. And in that day you will ask me no question. Truly, truly I say to you, if you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. Now did you hear the words give in every single one of those verses? The Father is a giver to his children. He's not reluctant. You don't have to do a song and a dance to get him to toss you a coin. He's not a magic door that swings open only when you say the magic words. He's not a scale that tips when you've piled up enough words on your side. Those are pagan ideas of God. So don't be like the pagans. Don't pray like someone who doesn't know the Father. Jesus telling us you don't have to jabber. You have your Father's full attention. He's not only listening. He knows what you need. He's way ahead of you. And he's a giver. He will give you what you need. It's quite simple. So your requests can be simple as well. And since we've been talking all week about praying, why don't we just take a moment and pray right now? Our Father in heaven, we come to you before you right now. And I thank you for the words of Jesus in telling us how not to pray, but then how we should pray personally, and when we pray in community with more of God's people together. Lord, may we learn to pray for our needs. You tell us to bring them before you in prayer. But Lord, may we not forget to pray for the needs of others. May we also learn from the Lord's Prayer, where the very first thing we're taught to pray when we address our Heavenly Father is to pray for the kingdom to come, to come first in our own hearts, to come then into the hearts of others and to see the gospel spread around the world. May we stay on our knees and pray to you daily. May your word speak to us as we pray before, during, and after. Lord, every day when we pray, may we say thank you for the cross, for sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins, to be resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven then, our Savior. Lord, we pray for the sudden and soon return of our Savior, even as the words of Scripture teach us to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. To save us from the world in which we find ourselves trapped sometimes may we praise you we long for you and lord may we see prayers answered as we bring them before you with holy petitions and we pray this prayer now together in the name of our savior jesus christ amen Classic from 1979 coming out of the Jesus Revolution era, the Maranatha Singers. We used to own the Maranatha Studios at Haven Ministries when I first came to this ministry 24 years ago. That was Spirit Song. Well, Nancy Guthrie was a bit surprised when she learned that her book for children about prayer was being used by adults. The book is called What Every Child Should Know About Prayer. And Nancy does a wonderful job explaining what the Bible says about prayer in easy-to-understand words. Her book is laid out with helpful illustrations. It's also filled with Scripture and even prayer prompts throughout. This book will encourage you and even children around you to pray more in your lives. So for your gift to Haven today, I'd like to send you what every child should know about prayer. We've even had people getting numerous copies from us this week, and you can too. Look at the beautiful samples we have from the book on our website, but make your gift when you go there to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or you can call us and give and ask for the book right now at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And just as it's time for us to go, let me just remind you that we are listener-supported. And if this program is a blessing to you, and you listen frequently, would you pray about becoming a Haven Partner? That's someone who prays regularly and gives automatically monthly to help us keep sharing Christ with others, as well as yourself. Just ask about it when you call, or go online and read about being a Haven Partner. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me here on Friday. Won't you come back again next week when again together we get to share the great story? It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Three little brothers loved playing in their basement. After all, that's where Mama and Papa kept all the old toys. Every day they'd go down to play, but down there in the basement, there was also soot from the furnace and lots of it. These three little boys couldn't resist. But before they could come back upstairs, they needed to be clean. This is what David reflected on in Psalm 15. Who can dwell in the Lord's presence? Only one who is clean with a blameless walk. In other words, no one. But just like those three little boys, we have to be cleaned, washed white in the blood. Then we can, and we will, dwell with the Lord forever. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.